All right, we're going to talk about faith at work. James chapter 2 this morning, James chapter 2. We're going to look at a passage here, and um, we're going to look at a passage that's caused some concern over the years and really doesn't need to. It doesn't need to cause the concern it's caused, but uh, Martin Luther, after the Reformation, remember Martin Luther uh, in the Reformation (coughs) had some key issues that were uh, (coughs) uh, a problem for him with the Catholic Church, and one of the issues was this. Salvation was by faith and not by works. Right? And when he came to this passage, he was troubled by this passage with the result that he wanted to remove the book of James from the canon of Scripture. But, yeah, he was wrong. There's no need to. There's no need. For, that's not what James is saying at all. James is not saying that we are saved uh, by works. Not at all. Uh, we will look at it, though, and see that. Let's read the passage first, though. <clears throat> What is the prophet, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray. Father, would you bless as we look to your word this morning, Lord? Would you help us? Uh, Help us to understand, Lord, that the way to you is not the way of works, Lord. The way to you is the way of faith. But, oh, Lord, (coughs) faith does bring works. It does change our lives and change the way we do things. And help us not to be confused by it, but help us to be helped and blessed. And help us to serve you because you love us and we love you. Uh, And not because we want to somehow earn your merit. In Jesus' name, amen. The issue of merit is a huge one uh, for all peoples of all times, I think. Paganism uh, gains the favor of the gods by doing for them. Right? That's what it does. I mean, you, you make sacrifices to your pagan gods, and your pagan gods, if they're pleased with you, they will grant you good crops for your field. And <clears throat> much of the world is lost in paganism. Some of it has the title of Christianity over the door, but it's still paganism. What they're doing is they're still trying somehow to actually please God by their works and somehow gain his favor. Now, the Scripture tells us very clearly that God loves us. Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? Which means you come this morning saved or unsaved, right or wrong, living a good life or a bad life, the truth is that God loves you. That's the reality. God loves you. In your darkest moment on this planet, God has loved you. In the darkest moment you will have after this day, God will love you. That God loves us not based upon how good we are, because we never can be that good. God loves us based upon who he is. It's kind of inexplicable to us. We, we long, humanly speaking, for unconditional love that's not possible amongst humans, 
And yet what we have with God is God says he loves us unconditionally. Now, what happens to us in, a, in, in this love relationship with God is that we very often come to the place where uh, instead of accepting his love and rejoicing in the fact that he loves us, what happens to us is uh, we get to the place where we want to earn his love or earn more of his love or seek him in such a way that he's going to like me better than like the next guy. <clears throat> and, you know, you can't earn anything from him. And what happens is that when we go about earning his love, when we go about earning salvation, we cheapen it. You see, <clears throat> what's going to happen in eternity is we're going to realize fully what grace means. Grace means that though we deserved hell, we're getting heaven. Right? <clears throat> but you know what? I, I, I don't think any of us uh, fully understand uh, what it took God to actually show grace instead of judgment and justice for us. You know, he gives us the picture of sending his son, and we go, yeah, I understand. Yeah, he sent his son. That, that means it must have been a pretty expensive deal if he was willing to send his son. But we don't understand that the very nature of God was to deliver justice. But he found a way instead, by grace, to deliver mercy. And I think eternity will kind of reveal that. You know, some truths just kind of uh, you catch from the beginning, and some truths kind of roll over you as the years go by, and you begin to you say, wow. And then you see another facet, and you go, wow. If you look at our hymn books, and how many of the hymns are about grace? Grace is somewhere in those hymns. It's because the writers of the ages have just been caught with this topic, this idea of how much God loves us and how much God cares for us, right? Now, <clears throat> here's the thing we need to understand, that grace... God's free merit at Christ's expense and works are total opposites. Right? We're going to see that from some of the scripture we're going to look at this morning. We could look at a lot more, right? The book of Galatians is written on about that topic, that you can't have grace and works at the same thing. It's either one or the other. You can't have both. If it's of grace, then it's grace, and if it's of works, it's works, but it can't be a mixture of the two. And it looks to us like what James is saying this morning is, he's saying, well, hang on a minute, this is... Uh, about works. That's not what he's saying. Now, I'm going to tell you what he is saying. He's going to say that faith works. Right? Uh, faith works. That when you have faith, it produces works. That's what he's saying to us. When you have faith, it actually produces works. It changes things. It does not leave you where it found you. Faith, <clears throat> works do not save anybody. But somebody who is saved by faith is going to have an impact on their lives that's going to produce stuff. And if it doesn't, you know, we always have to ask ourselves, well, how do I know I'm saved then? There has to be an impact of this thing called uh, faith in our lives. All right, so let's begin to, uh, to look at our verses, right? <clears throat> First of all, works, uh, works can't save you. James 2.21 seems to say different. Wasn't that Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Man, that, that, that's the verse that, <clears throat> that, that, that caught Martin Luther. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac upon the altar? Now, let's look at some other verses. Paul writing in Romans, in Romans chapter 4, verse 2 says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Uh, for what said the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Uh, now, to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Uh, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. 
Now, here's what we got. We got two writers <coughs> talking about the same man, the same story, and they seem to be taking different angles on it. Like they seem to be looking at it from different directions. And, um, <coughs> but, you know, James in the passage that we just read quotes this. He quotes the fact that uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted for righteousness. So, so let's think about Abraham for, 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 for a moment here. How was Abraham saved? Was he saved by faith? Or was he saved by works? Let me ask you a more simple question. Did Abraham do a lot of works in his life? He did a lot of works. He left over the Chaldees. He offered Isaac. He, he lived a, a, a particular life. Yeah, he did a lot of works in his life. Was he saved by faith or was he saved by works? Clearly, the Scripture is saying over and over again that he was saved by faith. But do you know what the faith in Abraham's life did? The faith in Abraham's life produced works. Now, we'll look at that. We'll illustrate that for you in a, in a second. But <clears throat> Abraham was justified by faith apart from works. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the moment Abraham was justified before God. Works then came after that. Works then became a part of Abraham's life. Living for God be <clears throat> became a part of Abraham's life. Doing things God's way became a part of Abraham's life. And reasonably so. And we'll see how that, how that reflects in our life, right? So, first of all, no, the, the, the Bible never contradicts itself. When it seems to contradict itself, the contradiction is in our minds. Right? <clears throat> but Abraham was justified by faith, not by works, right? Now, secondly, a living faith must produce works, right? A living faith must produce works. It must produce something. Something must happen in your life because you have a living faith, right? Okay, <clears throat> James 2, 14. What do the prophet, my brethren, though a man I say he have faith and have no works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now, the illustration there is not about you giving to people food. The illustration is this, right? What's the point of you going to somebody and saying to them, Oh, you're hungry. That's, I, I feel so bad for you. you know, <clears throat> I mean, listen, be warmed and filled. But you've got food in the cupboard that you don't give them. It's kind of hypocritical. It's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense for you to do that. Why do that? Go get the food out of the cupboard and give it to them uh, and feed them. Now, <clears throat> When it comes to our faith, uh, if we believe God, things happen in our lives. If we believe God, things change. My outlook changes. The way I do things changes. Everything changes in my life. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's see some examples from scriptures. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, that's defining faith for you, right? Uh, faith has two thoughts, two sides to it. First, I believe God, right? And then I believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, if I take on board the reality that God is <coughs> a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, you know what? That's going to change the way I do things. That, that's going to change the way I do things because I'm going to recognize that God uh, is a rewarder of them that d diligently do things, right? So <coughs> let's go back to our uh, illustration of Abraham, right? <coughs> In Genesis chapter 12 and 13, God calls Abraham and tells him to go uh, to a country. He doesn't tell him where he's going, by the way. 
He just tells him to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and he's to follow God. God will show him where he's going. And <clears throat> Abraham leaves home and family and friends, and he goes to somewhere he doesn't know, uh, to a people, he, and, he, and he never owns a piece of ground parked from the grave that he bar buried Sarah in. He never owns a piece of ground. And God says to him, Abraham, I want you to, I want you to come out there. And <clears throat> Abraham at that point believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And then he followed God. But... <clears throat> Let's kind, of, let's kind of think it through for a second. We'll say Abraham had said, okay. God says, Abraham, I want, you, I, want, I, want you, I want you to believe me. If you follow me, I'm going to give you a family. I'm going to give you a, a seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the seashore. Uh, and Abraham had said, amen. Sarah, don't worry about babies. God said he's going to give us uh, babies. God said he's going to do something in our lives and we're going to have, a <coughs> we're going to have an incredible number uh, of children eventually. Don't worry about the baby thing. The, the issue is sorted and, uh, and um, <coughs> we're in good place because I've believed God for it. But he stayed at home. He never moved. He never actually stepped out from where he was and followed God. Now, here's your question. Would he really have believed God? Would he have believed that God is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Would he really have put his trust in, and faith in God? You see, what James is dealing with, James is dealing with the thought that, you know, uh, <coughs> he's got a bunch of people now uh, in Christianity, and what these people are doing is they, they believe in God. And James is saying, yeah, but the devils believe in God. You see, when we have faith in God, when we put our trust in God, it's more than us just with a head knowledge saying, yeah, I believe. I believe in God. Because the devils do that. It's a trusting in God. It's a depending in God. Now, for Abraham, this depending upon God was God says, listen, Abraham, <clears throat> follow me and I will take care of you. Follow me and I will look after you. If Abraham had believed and not moved, the picture's broken. If Abraham had believed and not actually stepped out, you know, we're going to say, hang on, Abraham, you didn't really trust in God. You know, you're trusting with your head, but nothing's happening in your life. You're trusting in your head, but you never went out. I mean, it's an unthinkable thought for us, right? Now, similarly with you and I, when we believe or depend upon God, it's necessary that we take separate some steps, not because... We want to get saved, but because we've believed God, right? <clears throat> Abraham had a promise from God. And by the way, th th there's a slight breakdown of the illustration for us because Abraham's promise was conditional somewhat. Our promise is not conditional. When I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, he said, you will be saved, shall be saved. He did not say might be, maybe. He did not say if you do this and this and this. But <clears throat> when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am saved based upon that. But you know what? If I believe God, if I have faith, if I trust that God is and God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, then does it make sense for me not to diligently seek him? You see, here's, here's the problem in Christianity. The problem in Christianity is we have a bunch of people who say they believe God, who've trusted in God, and yet there's no move in their lives. There's no change in their lives. Nothing happens in their lives. Now, it's possible that we can look at somebody's life and miss what's happening. That's possible. It's possible that, you know, somebody <coughs> uh, can, can, can move forward and backslide. So, so we can't really judge somebody else. But in my life, 
the fact that I've trusted in this God who is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him means I'm seeking him. I'm going after him. I'm depending upon him. I'm trusting him. I'm following him. That's normal, natural outworking of faith. That's what James is talking about. James is talking about the fact that, listen, you know, if you truly trust God as your Savior, then there's going to be a works that happen in your life. And he's saying, if not, then your faith is dead. Now, <clears throat> here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say whether you're going to heaven or not. He never actually mentions that. Uh, he never actually draw, uh, brings that one up. You know, <laughs> because ultimately that, that's a, that comes back to the point where we believed, where we trusted. Right? But the normal... Christian life is one that depends upon God. The normal Christian life is one that trusts God and moves forward in faith, depending upon this God who's going to reward me. Right? The normal Christian life is not a life whereby I move forward <coughs> in the grimness and the reality of my faith. Okay, I'm, I'm going to walk with God and depend upon God and do the things God wants me to do, but it's grim, it's hard. No, no, no. I'm expecting Him to reward me. I'm expecting Him to bless my life. And as I, as I understand my relationship with him, and I'm moving forward in faith, and there's blessing, I want more and more. Isn't that, isn't that what's normal? Isn't that what we expect from God? And by the way, that's not you being utilitarian or using God. That's what God promised you. God said, if you seek me, I, I will. Uh, you, you will be found of me. I will bless you. I, so that we need to understand that our faith <coughs> ought to shove us out the door, so to speak into the place where we're serving God. Our faith is not something that should leave us just where it found us, right? <clears throat> so again, back to our picture of Abraham, right? So Abraham believes God, but <clears throat> he kind of sits down on it, and he relaxes, and he stays in Ur of the Chaldees, and he lives a happy life, because it was a comfortable place to be. He lives a happy life in Ur of the Chaldees, but he never moves forward. We're going to be looking at him and saying, <clears throat> what gives here, Abraham? Something in this picture doesn't add up. Something in this picture is not right. Now, similarly, in your Christian life, right, if you truly depended upon Jesus Christ, if you trusted him and depended upon him, and you have faith in him, it ought to push you out the door. It ought to push you in the place where things begin to happen in your life, you know, where things begin to work. Now, you see, is, is it possible for there to be paganism in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, we can treat the Lord Jesus Christ like a pagan god. Now, how do we do that? Well, what we do is we, we do things to keep them off our backs. And I, and I fear that oftentimes in Christianity, that's what's happening. That, that we're kind of we're eking it out. We're, we're trying to pay God enough to keep him off our backs. So we'll come to church on Sunday morning. Okay? But we never do anything. We don't open the Bible. We don't, <coughs> we don't talk to God. We, we, we do very little after that. But, you know, we know we don't go to church on a Sunday morning. You know, something bad might happen in our life, so we go to church on a Sunday morning. I, you know, sometimes we'll tithe because if I don't tithe, you know, well, God might do something dreadful in my life. And, and uh, what we're doing is we're actually treating God like he's a pagan God. Now, that's not the way it is. He is a rewarding God. He is a God who loved me before I ever got saved. When I got saved, he adopted me into his family. I became his child. And now it is my father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom, to take care of me, to look after me, to watch over me. It is my father's good kingdom to do all for me. 
It is my father's good, sorry, my father's good pleasure to do these things for me and take care of me. It's my father's desire uh, to bless me and continue in my life. And because I know my God loves me and wants to bless me, I'm following hard after him. You know, if we had interviewed Abraham at the end of his life <coughs> and said, Abraham, okay, Abraham, um, <coughs> how's your life been? Would Abraham have said to us, well, it's been tough. It's been hard, but I think God loves me. Would he? No. You know what Abraham's going to say to you? Well, you know what? I trusted God way back in order of the Chaldees, and the best thing I ever did. And I stepped out in faith, and I began to walk with him. And you know what? My life has been incredible. I have seen blessing after blessing after blessing. I've, I've got a boy now that he gave me. You know, he, he told me to take him once, but then he came in and he said, no, don't touch him. I, I, I have a life that is blessed beyond measure because he believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. And then this God he believed in, he diligently sought. And you know what? God blessed him. God took him. And that's the way it was. It wasn't a case of Abraham believed God and said, okay, <coughs> all right, from now on, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do the other because, you know what, <clears throat> I have to please him. No, no, no. Abraham believed God and went hard after God and he found blessing in his life. That's the way your Christian life is supposed to work. And if you end up in a place where you get saved, yeah, you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you don't move, there's, there's, there's a fault somewhere in the picture. There's a fault. You don't understand typically who it is that you just trusted you're not really understanding or getting to know him. You see, the joy of the Christian life is that you get to know him better and better. But do you know how you get to know him? You get to know him by faith. We'll say again, Abraham had said, okay, that's great. I'm, not <coughs> I'm thrilled now I'm saved. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to have a family and all the rest of it. But he never moved. Would he have known God? No. He had to step out in faith to get to know God. If he had refused to, to offer, offer um, <coughs> uh, Isaac, would he have known God in the way that he did? No. The steps of faith brought him into uh, <coughs> a, a, a more real walk with God. The steps of faith that he took brought him into a place where God became more real than anything else in his life. Now, that's what God wants for you. He wants you, by faith, to step out. That's... <coughs> The way you get to know him, the way you get to grow in him, the way you get to understand in him uh, is as you walk by faith. The way of blessing in your life is that you walk by faith. You trust him and you do what he wants you to do. And you do what he wants you to do and you trust him. And sometimes you trust him and it looks terribly dark. And sometimes it looks impossible. Can, can you imagine for Abraham, 25 years after he had trusted God, Sarah is way past having children. He's 100 years old. She's 90 years old. And he's, God, God hasn't delivered. Wouldn't that be hard? Wouldn't that be tough? Wouldn't that be a tough place? What was God doing there? He was stretching, building faith. God, does God do that in our lives sometimes? Yeah, all the time. God makes you late, wait, wait longer than you wanted to wait all the time. He makes you wait very often until, <coughs> un, un, until it seems impossible. That's the way God works. That's the way God builds faith. <coughs> now, you and I... Uh, <coughs> I, I'm constantly challenged by the fact that I have a different agenda than God has. Now, I'm constantly coming up against Scripture and finding my agenda is different to God's agenda. We talked in, uh, in men's Sunday school about um, 
Mary and Martha when Lazarus died in hell. Their agenda was to actually see Lazarus uh, healed. Jesus' agenda was to let him die and raise him from the dead for the glory of the Father. But their agenda and Jesus' agenda were totally different, and my agenda is so often totally different than God's agenda. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you end up with all kinds of difficulties in your life because you fail to understand, no, 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 he sets the agenda. And I surrender to him. I let him have his way in my life. He will not leave me nor forsake me. Uh, he will not fail uh, to bless me because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's who he is. That's what he is. That's the God I'm serving. Now, if I honestly <coughs> trust that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, you know what? I'm going to do what he wants me to do with my life. And I'm going to do it based upon the fact that that's what he wants me to do. And if he makes me wait, I'm going to wait because, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to do it based upon what he wants me to do because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All right, so here you are. You're in your Christian life. You're saved. You're born again. And you're following after God. Do you believe he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? And if he is, then are you following him? Are you doing what he says to do? You see, if Abraham <clears throat> had just sat on his promise and not moved forward, he would have had a dead faith. And we wouldn't have heard so much about him. We wouldn't have heard anything about Abraham at all because Abraham's faith and his walk with God is what made him grow into the mighty man that he was. Do you know that Abraham, at age 75, when the Scripture first interacts with his life, is not fully formed faith-wise? Isn't that good? That means there's hope for all of us, isn't it? Uh, there's hope for all of us to grow in the Lord and, get, uh, and to get closer to him. Because, you know, between 75 and 100, he grows. And after that, at 115, he's still growing. He's still growing when he offers Isaac. So, so he's, it's, it's a growing thing. He's depending upon God, and he's growing in his faith. But he wasn't fully formed. You're not fully formed either. You know how you get fully formed? As you take steps of faith, depend upon God in faith. You say, well, God hasn't called me to do anything like Abraham. He doesn't need to. He has called you to do some things in your life. You know, God is an individual God. He's worked in all of our lives, and, and, and he's called us. But for Abraham, there were steps of faith involved. He walked towards God. When God called, he began to walk towards God. He began to walk with God and to do what God wanted him to do. Even though at times it didn't seem to make sense, he still continued to do it. Right? Now, second example from the Scripture <coughs> is Rahab. All right, so Rahab had heard about this God of the Israelites and how mighty he was and, and how <clears throat> uh, he had opened the Red Sea for his people, how he had defeated Pharaoh, and how he had defeated other armies along the way for the nation of Israel. She heard about them, and she believed in God. So the spies come to, to, to Rahab's house, and, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, the king is going after them. He wants to kill them uh, so they don't go back to Israel and tell Joshua and tell Joshua what's going on. And so Rahab hides them. Rahab hides these men. She takes and she puts them aside and she hides them, right? Now, Abraham be Rahab believed in their God, so it caused her to do something. She knew he was going to win. She knew there was no hope. And she believed in their God, and she did. She hid the spies. Now, <clears throat> the question is, you know, <laughs> would she really have had faith if she believed but didn't hide them. No. Faith 
meant she was going to depend upon this God who was in charge of everything, who was a rewarder, who was, and she was going to depend upon him and do what he wanted them to do. Right? So living faith produces works. Don't get the cart before the horse. Right? <laughs> works do not produce faith. Works do not save. Getting saved is by faith, and then living faith means I'm going to follow this God who is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going to follow after him, and I'm going to, <coughs> I'm going to walk with him. Now, <coughs> do you have a living faith? Okay, the, that, that's the question. Isn't that the question that comes? That's, that, this is what, by the way, this is what James is going after. This is what James wants to nail down in our lives. Do we have a living faith? Right? <coughs> if you have a living faith, what has it produced in your life? What has this living faith produced? produced in your life. Now look, I don't know what it's produced in your life, and you don't know what it's produced in my life. You may see some things, I may see some things, but I won't see all. I won't see all that God is doing in your life. But you know what? <laughs> you do know. You do know this living faith. Because you have trusted God, have you diligently sought Him? You say, well, Sometimes, and I have faltered other times, and I have kind of, right now, I'm kind of uh, sitting in a place where <clears throat> I'm not sure where I am with God. But a living faith is going to be alive and living, and it's going to be pushing you. It's going to be pushing you to move on. A living faith doesn't quit. A living faith doesn't stop producing. It doesn't get to the top of the hill and say, hey, I'm here and sit down. A living faith continues to trust this God who is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and follow after him and see it, what it is that he wants you to do and continue on to do it. Now, <clears throat> there are several things that happen for us, right? First of all, um, some people make professions that are not real and they never get saved. And you say, what do, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean, some people never come to the place of faith. They never come to the place where they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That happens. Right? Um, some people get saved and move and then get discouraged for one reason or another and stop moving. Some people get saved and don't move and then get started up and begin to move. Right? And some people begin to move and they, and they move in fits and starts. And or Rarely do you find somebody who moves in a straight line and they continue in faith walking. But God's plan is for us to continuously move in faith, walking in with him and depending upon him. Now let me give you four areas and then we're done. <clears throat> we're going to ask ourselves. Right? First of all, has your faith produced righteousness in your life? And again, I don't know. Right? <clears throat> but has your faith produced righteousness? Are there areas in your life, I'm sure nobody in this room is perfect, but are there areas in your life that are changed because you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are living a righteous life? Would that be normal or abnormal for a believer? That would be very normal for a believer. Now, you're probably not perfect. <clears throat> but, you know, you can look at your life and you can look at some things that you don't do that, that you used to do because you're saved now. That's a living faith pushing you. And by the way, how righteous does God want you to be? Can you get too righteous? Can you be <clears throat> so holy that you're no earthly good? No, you can't. That's impossible. Right. <clears throat> um, God wants you to be righteous. He wants you to be right. Be perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Be holy because He is holy. 
He wants you to live a holy life. Now, listen, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not getting it all right right now. But you know what? My heart is to live righteously. Because I believe in this living God who's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. My heart is not to just settle down and relax and say, hey, nice when I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and um, <clears throat> you know what, um, that's good, I got it in my back pocket, and I, I, I got fire insurance. No, that's not my heart. My heart is to walk by faith and to live a righteous life. So when the Spirit of God shows me something that's not righteous in my life, I want to go. I want to remove that from my life. Has your faith produced righteousness in your life? Okay, second... Has your faith produced love in your life? <clears throat> By the way, don't, don't underestimate love. You will have a few people in your life that it's easy to love, and you will have some other people in your life that's hard to love. Now, this really doesn't count with the people that it's easy to love. And this one counts uh, with the fact that, you know what? Because Jesus Christ came into my life and he loves me, I'm going to love the brethren uh, even uh, <clears throat> when they cause me bother, even when they uh, rub me the wrong way, even when, they, when I struggle with them, I am going to love the brethren. I'm going to do right. I am going to love them. And, <clears throat> you know, has it produced love? Love for God and love for the brethren. You know, <clears throat> it's supposed to. Now, I'm not saying, you know what, if you don't love the brethren, you're not saved. Because, you know what, on that basis, probably everybody in this room is not saved because there's somebody you don't love that you know you should love, right? Uh, okay. Uh, but, but what I am saying is the normal, natural outgrowth of faith is you grow in love, right? You sh are you, has it produced love in your life? Are you a more loving person because of Jesus Christ and because of your faith in him? You ought to be. We ought to be. That, <clears throat> that ought to be the reality of our lives. Number three, has it produced the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit? Now, love is part of the fruit of the Spirit, but joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith. You know, <clears throat> has it produced those things in your life? As you look at your life, do you see those things in your life, or, or, or do you see something else? You see, faith produces. A living faith produces. A living faith pushes us. A living faith wants us to take more ground. A living faith wants us to uh, be closer to God and to walk with God. Uh, <clears throat> that's what a living faith does. Right? Is it producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? And then number four, <clears throat> has it produced a vibrant witness? Now, I'm, I'm not going to spend long on this. I could, but I'm not going to spend long on this. Right? <clears throat> Listen, <clears throat> if I had cancer and I went to some doctor and he's, he, the, all the doctors have said, I've, I've got six months to live. But I go to this doctor, and this doctor says, you know what? I can cure your cancer. Right? <clears throat> and he gives me this prescription, and I go home and take the prescription, and a month later I go back to the doctors, and the doctors say to me, you know what? <clears throat> you're cured. I don't know where. We've never seen nothing like this. You're cured. Your, your cancer's gone. Right? Now, is it possible that I would keep that under my hat? I'm not going to tell anybody about this because they'll be asking me all kinds of questions and you know what, I don't know all the answers, so I'll just keep it quiet, just keep it to myself. Is that possible? Now, hang on a minute. The world has a bigger problem than cancer. They don't think they have, but they have a much bigger problem than cancer. The problem that they're going to hell. The problem that they're going to an eternity without Christ. Now, you have been cured. If you're a born-again believer this morning, you have been cured of a disease much greater than cancer. You have been cured of something uh, <clears throat> that would definitely uh, take you to hell. And you know it. 
You know, born again believer is, you know, people are not in doubt about that. They, you know it, you know. Is it possible that your faith, your love for others, would not drive you to speak about that? Isn't there something wrong in that picture? See, that's what James is getting at. James is getting at the fact, you know what, if your faith doesn't move you, there's something wrong. If your faith doesn't move you, he says, well, show me your faith and I'll show you my faith. Uh, I'll show you my faith by my works. And what he's saying is, he's not saying I'm earning salvation. What he's saying is, listen, my faith is producing works. It's pushing me. It's making me do these things. I'm, I, I believe in God. I'm trusting God. It's a living thing. I'm moving because of it. You know what? Your, your faith and my faith should do the same too. Now, I'm, I'm not for a moment wanting you to question your salvation. If you're saved this morning, praise God for it. Uh, <clears throat> but I am asking you to question this. Do you have a living faith? Do you have a living, vibrant faith, a faith that's actually pushing you, that's moving you? You know, <clears throat> a faith that won't quit, a faith that's, that, that, that's got you going. And if you don't, what's wrong? What's wrong? Now, I know there can be all kinds of things. Well, you can draw back, can't you? God asks something of you and you don't want it. And you draw back. But you know what? He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when I draw back, my life is less. I ought to recognize that. I ought to recognize that my life is better when I move forward, when I walk with him. My life is sweeter when I move forward and I walk with him. And I ought to see in my life, you know, when I draw back from him, it's not as sweet. It's not working as well. And I ought to be pushed again back to walk. Now I realize the enemy wants to deceive you, and he, and, he, and he does deceive the children of God. And he gets the children of God in the place where, you know, they think, well, it's not, I, I, I can never be the Christian I want to be. It's a lie. You say, well, I've, I've done things that are too bad for God to forgive. Now, I would not doubt that in somebody's mind uh, in this room that thought straight from hell rests. No, that's not true at all. There's nothing that you've ever done that's too big for God to give. Forgive. There's nothing that you've ever done that should stand between you and God. You can get it right. You can fix it. But you know what? The only reasonable way for the child of God to live is by faith. Because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, you know, I trust him. I believe him. I depend upon him. So I'm going to live for him. That's the normal, natural outworking of the life of the child of God. Not the place, oh no, the guilt kind of hits me again. I got, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do the other. No, you get, you get in the wrong end of the stick. What you need to understand is God's got a great life planned for me. I want everything God has for me, don't you? I want everything God has for me. I'm, I'm not ashamed of saying that. I want everything God has for me here and in eternity. I'm, listen, I want all of it. I, <clears throat> so you know what? That means I want to walk by faith because it's good for me. You say, is, is it not good enough that you love God? Listen, the fact that you love God is sweet and is proper and is right. But you know what? He knew that you wouldn't serve him just because you love him. So he gave you rewards along the way. And he says, I'm a rewarder. I will take care of you. So <clears throat> the life of faith is a life that chooses to follow him because he is a rewarder. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from this life of faith? What's holding you back from making those moves? What's holding you back from the next step? You know, Abraham sa God said to Abraham, maybe I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees and follow me. Now, <clears throat> I've never lived in Ur of the Chaldees, so he can't say that to me. But you know what? 
regularly, God says, Dave, I want you to drop that and I want you to do this. Dave, I want you to leave that behind and I want you to move on to this. And regularly he says that in your life too. Regularly he moves in your life and asks you to do things too. And the question is, are you doing it? A living faith moves. Listen, imperfectly, we get it wrong, we mess up, but we keep moving. And we come back and we get it right. Because you, you know what? We're not dopes. We know the best way is to walk with him by faith. Let's stand for prayer. Let me ask you this morning, just before we pray, every head around, every eye is closed. Listen, would you let the Lord in in your life? I know you can shut me out. I understand that. And I understand there can be reasons why you shut the preacher up. But would you let the Lord in? Let the Spirit of God in. What is it in your life this morning that is not right with God that God wants to actually fix? Would you let him in? Let the Spirit. You think, well, it couldn't be fixed. Of course it can be fixed. He's God. If you're willing to draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to give you a moment to pray for yourselves and do business with God. But listen, don't miss all that God has for you. You need to live a vibrant faith. Live a faith that is living. Father, would you bless your people? Lord, we need you. Lord, we need your hand upon us. We need you to move in hearts and lives. We need you to show yourself to us. Lord, we can't earn your love, but, oh, Lord, you've given us so much, Lord, and you've promised us so much, Lord, that our hearts just need to reach out and cry out to you for all that you have for us. Would you bless your people, Lord? Where there's something hindering, Lord, may it be dealt with. May it be fixed. May it be made right. But, oh, Lord, may your might and your power rest upon this congregation. Lord, you have great things for us, Lord. You didn't end with Abraham. You didn't end with Hebrews 11. Lord, there's so much that you have for us. Lord, may we not miss it. In Jesus' name.